Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio. And don't be talking about mobile. On the best show on your radio, you know it better as Freddie and Harry. You got Harry Douglas, Freddie Coleman together, presented by Progressive Insurance. Appreciate you joining us on the ESPN app, Series XM Channel 80. Don't forget about us on TuneIn and always tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. We're going to let you know in 10 minutes what was the best and worst of this weekend. And one could involve a player that did not play in the NFL this weekend. That comes your way in about 10 minutes. All right, you you played wide receiver, Mr. Harry Douglas. Mm-hmm. You saw Tyree kill part of the one by four, the 4 by 100 track team with mm-hmm. the Miami Dolphins out there yesterday. They call it a comeback because they have not been here for years by being the Los Angeles Chargers 36-34. Tyree kill. Just ridiculous. 11 catches, 215 yards, two touchdowns. His first 200-yard game with Miami, the third of his career. I know people get overjoyed, and I love the fact that people get overjoyed, but I can't wait to hear you react to Shannon Sharp on first take, where he says, right now, Tyreek Hill, after one week, is the scariest player in the NFL. You can take Aaron Donald. You can take any of the defensive players. You can take any of the offensive players. He is the scariest player in the NFL for the simple fact there is no answer for him. You can't double team him because he can outrun. He'll take the top off the coverage. I've never seen anything in my since I've been playing. Now, look, and I go back 1990. He's the scariest receiver. He's more scared than Jerry. I'm not saying he's a better receiver than Jerry, but he's scarier than Jerry because he's one of the few men in the history of the game that's been able to take a five-yard route and turn into an 80-yard spectacular. I will say this. When you look at a player of the caliber of Tyreek Hill, he scares the hell, not just out of corners, but defenses, period. Because, number one, if you're a cornerback and you're playing off coverage, in which a lot of times you're going to do because you don't want to be on Sports Center, you don't want to be on top 10 plays, you don't want to be a part of Tyreek Hill, uh, his highlight reel. But the, the, the crazy thing about it, like you just heard Shannon Sharp mention, he could take a five-yard hitch and take it the distance. He could take a five-yard under in which you run up five yards and break in and go to the house. He could take a three-step slant and take it to the crib. He scares you in that department. And I was just talking about a Dory Jackson mm-hmm. when it came to playing in the slot. I got to tell y'all a story about when I played with him in Tennessee. We were playing the Kansas City Chiefs. And we moved him inside to the slot because he was the most gifted and athletic. And we were like, okay, you got him. And I told Dory, I said, when a guy of that caliber is quick and fast, don't be aggressive because all it takes is one bad movement and he's gone. Right. First play, Adore lunges at him. Tyreek Hill's down the sideline wide open, beat Adore by like three yards. And luckily he dropped the football. Right. But when you talk about game planning for him, it's hard to do when you're a corner. You're basically pooping your pants every time you're lining up against him okay. because it's an opportunity that he's going to beat you for a touchdown. And the speed does kill. It literally, literally it does. Now, when you talk about the most scariest in the National Football League, I think Tyree Hill, Tyreek Hill is up there. And y'all know how much I hate, oh, this person is the scariest. But yeah. you still got Patrick Mahomes. I was going to say the same you thing. You still got Aaron Donald. All right. You do still have a guy named Joe Burrow. You got all these players, man, that, you know, 
live up to their capabilities and play at a high level when their team needs them the most. So I, I hate just saying that this one person is the scariest because Patrick Mahomes was throwing the football to Tyreek to Tyreek Hill. Right. Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. has two league MVPs and mm-hmm. two Super Bowls as well. Mm-hmm. I know what Shannon Sharp was trying to say. I get it that he was of that moment because with Tyreek Hill, what he can do, the fact that he can go from zero to 100 is unbelievable in a short amount of time and a short amount of space. But I'm going to be the one to throw the rock into that whole thing. They need a guy to not have a rock head when it comes to Tua Tungabailoa. And I'm hoping the best with Tua Tungabailoa because when he's throwing that ball around, when you got Jalen Wild and Tyreek Hill, we saw that offense can look like. He threw for 466 yards fourth most in an opener in the history of the National Football League. He threw for three touchdowns. That throw to Tyreek Hill in the right corner, that's an NFL throw that he can make. We've seen him make that kind of throw because the coverage was really good. But he threw Tyreek Hill open because he trusted in one-on-one coverage, I can find a place to get the ball to him where the defensive back can't do anything about that. We know Tua can make those kind of throws. But for Tyreek Hill to be as scary or the scariest person in the league, according to Shannon Sharp. You better touch the ball every play, in my opinion. They, well, either that or you better make sure your quarterback is around at the end of the year to get you the football because you can't be scared the ball's not coming your way. And we saw what Patrick Mahomes was able to do with Tyreek Hill and without Tyreek Hill. We saw Tyreek Hill, well, he's been able to make Tua Tungavailoa. Not saying Tua Tungavailoa is, is a bad quarterback, but he's made him better because of that ability. But you can only do so much because Tua Tungavailoa was injured. All of a sudden, the ball wasn't coming his way. That's why I can't put him in the scariest play in the category because you are so reliant upon that quarterback making sure he can be healthy enough like Tua can get you the football. Well, he's in the category, but I don't think he's at the top of that category. You know what I mean? I'm with you. Because the defenders are scared of Tyreek Hill. But when Patrick Mahomes and we talked about Chris Jones not being with the Kansas City Chiefs, we talked about Travis Kelsey not being in that lineup and he was inactive in that first game of the year. We gave the Kansas City Chiefs a chance because of what player? Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes. My point exactly. When <laughs> there was 13 Mahomes. seconds on the clock versus the Buffalo Bills a few years ago, the Kansas City Chiefs still believed that they had a chance because they had what quarterback, Freddie? Patrick Mahomes a second. Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes. When they got that ball in overtime, everybody in Chiefs kingdom knew that they were going to win that, that, that game because they had who, Freddie? Patrick Mahomes a second. Patrick Mahomes the second. When Josh Allen had that phenomenal game, that same game I'm talking about, yep. there was a quarterback on the opposite side that had a better game as well. Mm-hmm. And his name was Patrick Mahomes. So Right. I get it. There you go. I understand it. I know they're excited about Miami. We always talk about teams that have not won a championship in a long time. And people are going to Dallas Cowboys for good reason. Miami has not won since gas was free in this country. That was the last time they won the Super Bowl. So we can bang on the Dallas Cowboys, and rightfully so. They're America's team. They get the most attention, yada, yada, yada. But this Dolphins team, they've been devoid of winning a championship. They've been, they've been devoid of getting to a Super Bowl. So I understand the excitement for Tyreek Hill because we saw this offense look like last year when they had the comeback versus the Baltimore Ravens on the road, and they went nuts in the fourth quarter. But if Tua can't stay healthy, if Tua's unable to be around towards the end of the year or some part in the middle of the year, that offense is not going to look as scary. And, oh, by the way, they need every bit of that to stop a guy like Justin Herbert and the Chargers on the other side who were going with them bullet for bullet, moment for moment. And then finally the Dolphins got a defense that was able to sack him at the end of the game. Or they would have been in trouble not having that conversation this morning about is Tyreek Hill the scariest player in the National Football Now, game? I would say this. I do believe this. If there's one person I believe this season that can uh, get to 2,000 yards receiving – 
I do believe is Tyreek Hill. That's bearing Tua Tonga Valoa stays healthy the entire year. We got to remember he had 1,700 last year and Tua missed games. So that's a hell of a start when you can eclipse two, 200 yards in the first game of the year versus the Los Angeles Chargers. But now, Freddie, let me get on the Chargers for a second. Go ahead and get them. Because they're spending all this money defensively, mm-hmm. and I'm going to go out and go on a limb and say it. That was a piss-poor game plan defensively as yeah. well. By the way, You're going to tell yeah. me you're going to play man coverage One-on-one. against the fastest receiver in the National Football League? Exactly. And you paid J.C. Jackson all that money to be getting burned the way he was getting burned? I, I don't understand. And I'm going to blame Brandon Staley. Why? He's the, head, he's the head man of that team. So you had to sign off on that defensive game plan. Also, you're a defensive-minded coach. I don't, I don't get it. I don't. I was watching that game yesterday, and I said to myself, they probably said to themselves, you know, the first 10 times he burned us, you know, but we'll learn our lesson, but the 11th time is not going to happen again. And I, certain guys you got to take away. I'm sure two of them by Lord came to the line of scrimmage and saw one-on-one coverage against them and said, you've got to be kidding me. And zero coverage. No safety in the I'm middle of the field, exactly by the way. I'm going to tell you exactly what he said. I'm going to tell you exactly what he said. Can you keep that's it clean? Your, that's your ass, Mr. Postman. <laughs> you know where I was going, Freddie. I, I, I know you were. And exactly you what he's saying. I don't blame him. I got a guy like that. You're going to play man-on-man coverage against a dude like that. That is just stuck on stupid SOS. We saw that once again from the Chargers, especially on defense. Harry Douglas, Freddie Coleman together on Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. All you have to do is get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. So bundle and save at Progressive.com. From the top stories in sports, this is a huge story, to the bottom. So we reach the bottom of the barrel. This is 3 Up, 3 Down. Each and every week we do it. Now, we'll flip-flop. Last week, I brought the bad. Harry brought the good. This week, I bring the good, and Harry brings the bad. So if you get mad at anybody, get mad at him for bringing the bad that could happen with your NFL team. It's all part of 3 Up and 3 Down on Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. Devin Kane, let's get it going. Number one. My up is Coco Golf. That's it. That's the tweet. 19 years of age. Winning her first major championship. By the way, star power. Kevin Durant in the building. Jimmy Butler in the building. It looked like some kind of a TMZ episode with all the stars showing up to see Coco Golf beat Arena Sabalenka on Saturday. But the best part about it for me, Harry, after the match was over, saying, you know, I would not have been here without my parents. I want to thank my coach and thank my family. But then she shouted out the haters saying, you thought you were putting water on my fire. Huh. All you did was give me more gasoline, and now I'm burning bright and raised that trophy above her head. She may be 19, but she got the soul of an old soul, and she just may be getting started. Coco Golf, number one on three up. And, Freddie, what I love about Coco Golf and just watching her mature, uh, not only as a tennis player, but also as a person. And I think when you see her walk around and you see her play also on the tennis court, you see that confidence. Absolutely. And it was a thing of beauty to be able to see her win um, the U.S. Open, man. And, and, and I give a lot of credit to her mom and dad. Family is everything, but that foundation is even more important as well. Now, my m- number one down, I'm going to stick right there in New York. Okay. Devin Kane, stand up. Stand up. I'm going with the New York Giants because they embarrassed themselves on national TV. And it was the series of plays on that first drive after things started so well. It was having the third and two at the eight yard line and you get the false start penalty. And you also had the bad snap from 
John Michael Smith. And then you had the blocked field goal. Coaches always said on special teams, block the man that is closest to blocking the field goal. You can't have people blocking outwards and you have someone inward that you need to block. That's what happened. Defender jumped over, uh, made a blocked field goal. But not only that, if you get it blocked, get the guy on the ground. It got returned for a touchdown. So I got the Giants as my number one down because they have a lot of people uh, in Giant Nation not feeling too good about their team right now. (laughs) Number two. My number two. Are they really back? Well, good for Texas football. Harry, you were there on Saturday down in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. They were number 11. They take down number three, Alabama. They were not afraid. Mm. They were not overwhelmed by the moment. They weren't walking out there saying, we're Texas, be afraid of us. And I thought Kirk Herbstreit made me laugh on college game day. When he talked about the fear factor of Alabama maybe being over on the Texas side, he said it used to be that you look out and they say Alabama, ooh, there's Nick Saban. Oh, my God. Look at their size. He said Texas is not doing that. They're going in there believing they can win that game. And Quinn Ewers, he threw the chocolate out of that football on Saturday. He was doing his things, hitting guys in stride on deep throws, intermediate throws. But it's the toughness of Texas, especially on defense. I'm not going to say Texas is back. They like to say that. But these are the kind of games that they are back. We circle. We go back to September 9th, 2023 and say, yep, Texas was back. That night, they went into the belly of the beast, and they were not afraid and slayed the dragon known as the Fighting Nick Sabans of Alabama. And, Freddie, I went to my childhood friend on the football field, Tashard Choice, who's the running back coach for Texas. Right after, I went right to him, and he, I seen the passion in his eyes, and he said, and we should have did it last year. We let one get away. This should be two years in a row. And he said it like with the belief like everyone on that Texas football team believed that they should have won last year. Right. And that they're not surprised that they won this year. But going over to the fans uh, in the stands after that game and hearing them chant SCC, 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 right? Because they're going to the SCC in 2024. It was unbelievable. Now, let me get to my number two down. Lord have mercy. Sean Payton. Tell me you don't believe in your football team without telling me you really don't believe in your football team. <laughs> he started the game off with an onside kick. They're not playing the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. They're not playing the Philadelphia Eagles and Jalen Hurts. They're not playing the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow. They're playing the damn Raiders and Jimmy Garoppolo. And they decided that they want to start the game off with an onside kick. Tell me you don't believe in your team without telling me you don't believe in your team. And guess what happened? As soon as the Raiders got the ball, they went down and scored a touchdown, Freddie. Unbelievable. Can't believe it happened, but it did. Sean Payton, let's be serious. (laughs) Number three. My number three is for a conference that's not going to exist after 2023. And that's the Pac-12. Oh, man. They have eight teams in the top 25 for a conference that is sinking into the ocean known as Big Money College Athletics. UCLA at number 24, Washington State at number 23, Colorado at number 18, Oregon State at number 16, Oregon at number 13, Utah at number 12, Washington, or as Coach Cross likes to say, Washington at number 8, and USC at number 5. They have eight teams in the top 25. The only one that will not be a non-Pac-12 team next year is Oregon State and Washington State, the only two. Everybody else is leaving to go elsewhere. I feel awful for this conference. But I don't feel awful for the conference in terms of the personnel, in terms of the administration. I feel awful for the players and the fans and everybody else out there supporting a conference that's no longer the conference of champions. As Bill Walton likes to say, they're going to be a conference of nothing. 
but 18th in the top 25. Hey, Pac-12, good on you keeping that focus because everybody's wondering what's going to happen to you guys. You go somewhere else. You weren't worried about that. You played phenomenal football so far in the first two weeks of the college football season. And, Freddie, it's sad because when you look at this conference, it is clearly by a long stretch the best quarterback conference in college football. When you look at USC and Caleb Williams, who's the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, and how he started off the year. You look at Washington and Michael Penix Jr. You also look at Oregon and Bo Nix. You look at Utah, and Cameron Rising hasn't even started playing yet. He's coming back off an ACL. You also look at Oregon State and transfer DJ Uangalale, who's looking good for that ball club. You look at UCLA and their freshman, Dante Moore, who's played phenomenal up until this point. And then lastly, you look at Washington State and Cameron Ward, a guy that, you know, threw the piss out of the football in his week one, but continues to play really, really good. Um, So... It's a sad thing to see, but the Pac-12, they're going to go out with a bang because those quarterbacks, a lot of them, you're going to see them playing on Sundays. Now, my third down, I'm going to the Chicago Bears. You traded out of the number one spot to get more draft capital and also to bring over DJ Moore. How in the first ballgame of the year, and you're expecting Justin Fields to have this growth, and DJ Moore has two targets – Catches both of those two targets for 25 yards. How does he not have 10, 11, 12, 13 targets in his first matchup? Hell, I don't care if you force the ball to him. How does he not have those targets? So I'm looking at Luke Getze, the offensive coordinator. I'm looking at the head coach as well. And I'm also looking at Justin Fields. You guys should have said something on the sideline or something should have went off in your brain that said, you know what, we're not getting our best player, the football. Two targets, and he's supposed to be the number one wide receiver. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, neither do I. Bother. On the other side, you have Jordan Love. He looked extremely confident. Mm-hmm. Three TD passes. Mm-hmm. Eight receivers were targeted. Preach Six of them caught the football. He looked like what many people thought Justin Fields should look like in year three when it comes to Chicago Bears. And even Justin Fields, uh, you could hear it in his voice that he's tired of saying offensive struggles and having his name attached to that in, in Chicago. I think uh, we had a rhythm starting off early, but um, I think kind of the moral of the story is that we shot ourselves in the foot so many times. Pre-snap penalties, uh, false starts, holdings, and then, you know, when you know, we put ourselves in, you know, third and longs, third and 10, third and 15, it's, it's hard to uh, convert on that, you know, for NFL offense, you know. So uh, I think if we just clean that up um, and keep getting better, then, then we'll be fine. But we definitely got to put ourselves in a better position, you know, on third down to co- convert that. Now I'm going to tell everyone listening right now, you don't have many play calls for third and 15, third and 20, Third and 30. Right. Uh, you just don't. So when you get into those down and distances and you're the Chicago Bears who already are struggling period and you're trying to uh, get out of the mindset or people viewing you as the bad news Bears, you got to do better. You can't have the self-inflicted wounds. Also, it's okay if a defender is playing eight or seven yards off of DJ Moore. Just have Justin Fields pick the ball up and throw it to him and let him go to work. It's okay to do those things. I'm going to answer it this way. Maybe they don't know how to coach him when it comes to Chicago. Justin Fields? Yeah. Maybe That's they a good point. Know. That's yeah. a good point, yeah. Freddie. Maybe they, don't, they see somebody who has these kind of gifts, and they don't know how to figure that out. And they've had over a year, and they brought in different personnel. 
it seems that they look, okay, we don't want him to run the ball as much, but right now that's a major strength. We know he can throw the football, but he doesn't have enough guys to throw it to. So to me, it seems like they're trying to they're trying to massage things a little bit when it comes to Justin Fields, even though he's not their guy. You mentioned it earlier. Ryan Poles, the general manager, did not draft him. Yep. It's not out of the realm to say that he may think about taking a quarterback in the first round next year if he believes that Justin Fields is not the guy. So I'm not going to put everything on Justin Fields. I'm not going to put everything on the coaching staff. But maybe they don't know how to coach him properly in modern football when you got a dual-threat quarterback and you're trying to make sure he understands how to do it in an NFL way. They can take a look at other people who've been able to do that dual-threat quarterbacks. We've seen that when Cam Newton first got to the league. Carolina figured that out early with Cam Newton. When he first yep. got the dual-threat guy, they said, look, what do you do best? These two things, you can throw the football deep and you can run the football. That's what we're going to do. They figured that out early. Patrick Mahomes, a dual-threat guy to Texas Tech, just a supersonic arm. But they were able to figure it out in Kansas City early on. He sat for a year, but they figured it out. Josh Allen. Josh Allen, prime example, exactly. Because Josh Allen, the ultimate dual-threat guy. Big, strong, can run over people, run around people. And Buffalo figured that out with Josh Allen. Maybe the Bears don't know how to figure out Justin Fields, and they don't know how to go about it. And maybe Justin Fields understands that. He's trying to say, I'm doing everything you want me to, but if this is not going to work, maybe it's because they, they, they don't have the right things together when it comes to Justin Fields, the Bears offense, and how he's being coached, or Harry not being coached. And, and I'll say this, Freddie. like I would rather, if that's the case, them – send Justin Fields to a place where somebody is going to use him properly and get the best out of him. Like sometimes it, it's, it's just that, you know, yeah. identifying that, you know what, we don't know exactly what we want to do. Let us go get the guy that we want. Let's send him to a place where, you know, they can dig out the greatness of Justin Fields. Yeah, that's fair. Either way, it's a tricky situation in Chicago regarding quarterback with a lot of talent. But right now he's not being able to see that manifest itself to the kind of return on investment that the Bears are looking for. He is Harry Douglas. Hit him on social media, hdouglas83. I'm Freddie Coleman. Hit me on social media at Coleman ESPN. I always appreciate you joining us here on Freddie and Harry. Hit us up on the phone number anytime you want at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Waiting to hear how the Cleveland Browns call it a crossover at the expense of the Cincinnati Bengals. This is ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! 
playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. The Freddie and Harry Podcast. Here comes Watson running. 10, corner, 5, touchdown! They loaded it up with four receivers to the right, one to the left, and it was a quarterback draw all the way. Watson turns, rolls out to the right, looks open, touchdown! Harrison Bryant! I think the results kind of, you know, speaks for itself. I think the biggest statement for us to be able to go out there, regardless of the adversity, pull through and get this victory. That's what it's all about in this league. So are the Browns really renting space in the heads of the Cincinnati Bengals? Maybe, just maybe. You heard the call on ESPN 850 WKNR as the Cleveland Browns, as predicted by this show. Freddie and Harry Douglas, together on Freddie and Harry and ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series XM Channel 80. Tune in until your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. We told y'all on Friday, that Bengals team, Joe Burrow coming back from an injury, going to be out of sorts a little bit. That Browns defense would be pretty good. Deshaun Watson don't blank it up. And, Harry, all that happened. No one could have expected Joe Burrow was going to throw for a career low 82 yards in a loss. But you know that you got somebody by the you-know-what when Miles Garrett in the second half got in touch with inner Steph Curry doing like a crossover here, crossover there, and then he gets up the field and sacks the quarterback. You know that you got it going on. When you can do that kind of foolishness and get away with it, and that's what Cleveland did putting it on Cincinnati yesterday. Freddie Coleman, when I meet, and I'm saying your full name because... The full government name? I I, I laughed so hard when I seen this because, honestly, it's the ultimate disrespect to who you playing against, too. Like, to have a defensive player, uh, Miles Garrett, right, acting like he's on the basketball court, doing crossovers (laughs) between his legs, going between his legs, Uh before he goes and sacks the quarterback? I know. Oh, my goodness. But let me tell you this. I love Jim Swartz for this Cleveland Browns football team and this defense is going to do some phenomenal things. And they have the personnel to be able to execute everything that he wants to do. Now, when you think about the Cincinnati Bengals and you're thinking about Joe Burrow, who doesn't care who's on the opposing sidelines, Patrick Mahomes included, when you look at that wide receiver group, that's three deep with Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd. You look in the backfield at Joe Mixon because he's been there with that team and he's been able to do his thing. Jim Schwartz went into this, this football game not caring about anybody offensively for the Cincinnati Bengals. Want me to tell you why, Freddie? The tape doesn't lie. Just about every third down I looked at, not all of them, but majority of them. Right. They were playing man coverage, different variations, because you had one robber, which means a safety coming down, robbing things from the middle of the field. You had some with the whole player, which is the linebacker is right there in the middle trying to take everything away. But they, the, the moral of the story is they played man coverage and said, we don't care about your lethal pass game. We don't give a damn that you are the highest paid player in NFL history. You think we care about Jamar Chase? You think we care about T. Higgins? We gonna man them up and let bygones be bygones, and I'll be damned. The Cincinnati Bengals went two for fifteen on third downs in that game. Their first quarter. Let me read to you their first quarter. Twelve plays, thirty-four total yards, mm-hmm. one first down. Oof. 
But the Cleveland Browns have a personnel that can do things like that to the Cincinnati Bengals. There's a reason why Joe Burrow is 1-5 versus that football team. And also Jim Swartz being able to move a guy like Miles Garrett around, whether he's playing the defensive end position, whether he's playing over the guard. Or point where, guard. <laughs> where he's playing, whether he's playing point guard and lining up over the center and going to get a sack or playing at the linebacker position. They're able to move him around and do a lot of different things. Also, Zadarius Smith, I don't want to minimize what he means to this defense because now they have that guy opposite of Miles Garrett that can also create pressure in who they view as a dog. But I got to give that secondary credit. They came to play. Now, a lot of people talking about the weather. I understand. I'm a former wide receiver, played in the NFL 10 years. The worst kind of weather to play in in your past happy team is rainy weather, but I'm not using that as an excuse. Mm-hmm. You still got to go out there and make the plays. Yeah, nobody. They're playing in the same weather that you're playing in. No doubt. No but doubt. the Cleveland Browns came to play ball, man, and they made a nice little statement in week one of the National Football League. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd combined for seven catches, 49 yards. Not each. Combined. Seven catches, 49 yards from those three guys. And speaking I think, of I think T. Higgins, T. Higgins had what? Eight or nine targets with zero catches. Zero catches. Zero catches. Well, this is what happens when you call somebody elves. Like Jamar Chase called the Cleveland Browns when he was on a local radio show in Cincinnati on Thursday. He didn't back away from after they lost on Sunday, but... It's frustrating because I called the ass. We just lost to some elves, so I'm pissed on my part. I'm not. I'm pissed on Aaron that. And, um, like I said, man, we got missed opportunities. We didn't capitalize on that shit. And we lost, so that's how we lost. With that said, you went to the Super Bowl two years ago with the AFC Championship last year. You didn't beat Cleveland up here both, both years. You don't throw the baby out with the bathwater right this one game. Um, yeah, I guess. I mean, holding I it on me. Know. I'm holding it on me. I'm not doing all that. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to do my part and do what I can do for the team. So I'm pissed at other stuff. All right, so if you're going to talk that talk, Miles Garrett made sure the Bengals had to walk that walk. Of course. I mean, when you're, you're going into any game, you're looking for any kind of edge you can have and any chip on your shoulder. And uh, they gave us just a little bit of bulletin board material, and uh, we ran with it. And, uh, man, we made the most of it. I'm not going to say that the Bengals are going to be that bad or the Broncos, uh, Browns, excuse me, are going to be that good, although we warned people the potential in this division for at least four teams, all four teams win at least nine games. Maybe it could be even more magnified. The Browns can play defense like that, and Deshaun Watson to me is going to get better and better and better. But on the other side, it comes to Cincinnati, Harry. Didn't they tell us that this was going to be the best offensive line oh. that Joe Burrow has had since being in the NFL in his fourth year? They kept saying all the flowers for the offensive line. You know, hey, Joe Burrow's not going to be hit as much. Whatever you dial up on him, he'll be able to handle it because the offensive line is the best offensive line since he's been here. They look like the Giants' offensive line. Oh, man, I'm glad you brought it up, Freddie. I hated to do that, Devin. Because I, I was just going to tell Shannon Penn, there is hope. See, Shannon Penn and Devin Kane and Nick Cardi, <laughs> it wasn't just the Giants' offensive line that looked horrible in week one. It was also <laughs> the Cincinnati Bengals' offensive line. But Fred, let me tell you the difference. I didn't want to do it, but I had to. Let me, no, let me tell you the difference, you, though. Freddie, you say you didn't enjoy doing it, but I really did. I don't buy it. Yeah, I'm lying. You did it anyway. I'm completely lying. I took a But let me tell y'all, though, why it's so upsetting for me when it comes to the Cincinnati Bengals. What's that? We watched Joe Burrow take this football team to a Super Bowl in spite of the offensive line. Absolutely. Right? They have worked on this offensive line the last two years. They brought in Orlando Brown Jr., which they signed this offseason. 
Ted Karras, Alex Kappa. You you have so many people on this offensive line that you brought in and you addressed that need. So for them to go out there and have this showing with coming into the season, we all thought this would be the strongest offensive line that Cincinnati had the last three years when Joe Burrow has been the quarterback. And to have that showing, but I'll tell you this, mm-hmm. I'm not panicking. No, not I'm not panicking. One. No, no, not one bit because of who the quarterback is. And I'll tell y'all, all of y'all who look at the Cincinnati Bengals and say, man, they can't lose against the Baltimore Ravens. Well, last year, their first three divisional games, they went 0-3 in their first three divisional games last year. So I'm not panicking at all. You shouldn't panic about that because, like you mentioned, this team has shown great resiliency. They've done it ever since Joe Burrow's gotten there. But on the other side, if you're the Cleveland Browns, Deshaun Watson, the conditions played a part, 16-29, to 154 yards. He did run for a touchdown. He threw for one. He had one interception. Things are going to be that way for Deshaun Watson. He is still learning this offense. The offense is still learning him. It's one thing that you would look good in preseason or you look good in camp, you look good in seven-on-seven, but everything speeds up 100 miles an hour in the National Football League. The Bengals' defense wasn't that bad, but when you're able to run the football, you don't have to worry about your quarterback doing so much. When that time happens, I can't wait to see what the answer is going to be when it comes to Sean Watson, because that could come sooner than later for the Cleveland Browns. And, Freddie, I'll say this. I did love Deshaun Watson using his legs, in which he scored a touchdown right before halftime to put the Bills in a nice – I mean, excuse me, put the Browns in a nice situation. There, You've seen the little flashes of old Deshaun in, in those regards. The past game, yes, it does have to be, you know, refined a little bit. Right. But he doesn't have to be, like I've said a million times, 2020 Deshaun Watson in order for the, the Browns to be in a good situation. Yeah, I thought that play design was great. Three receivers to the right, and they just ran a quarterback power to the left. He's able to get to the outside and get to the end zone. It was a well-designed play against a Bengals defense that thought the ball was going one way, and they run it the other way. Really played their mind and played their eyes and led to that touchdown, like you mentioned, right before the first half ended for the Cleveland Browns, who just put it on the Bengals by a count of 24-3. to The Bengals will be okay. We may be saying the same about the Cleveland Browns as they get closer and closer into the regular season and get more and more confident. He is Harry Douglas. I'm Freddie Coleman. I also appreciate you joining us here on Freddie and Harry. Harry Douglas was down there for Alabama, Texas, down in Tuscaloosa. When did you hear we had to say how big of a win it was for Texas and maybe even for college football? This is ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio. Viewers play action. Over the middle, caught. Touchdown, Texas. Adonai Mitchell. A dart from Ewers to A.D. Mitchell. Quinn going deep. He has Mitchell open. Throws it. He caught it. Touchdown, Texas. Adonai Mitchell. He's used to big catches against Alabama. I think it does serve as a good benchmark for us of kind of what we're capable of and what the potential of who we can be as a team moving forward. You heard the call from Learfield Sports. He's Harry Douglas and Freddie Coleman together on Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, SiriusXM Channel 80, and tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. You were down there because they were loaded with Longhorns. Harry Douglas brought a college game day on social media from 8.30 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. Catch Harry and the group meeting Christine Williams and Harry Lyles Jr. each and every Saturday. College game day on YouTube because they were playing that fight song. Your Alabama fans were tired of hearing that because of the way they did not expect that from Texas. But you were down there. Yeah. What was it like to see Texas, not Texas themselves, and Alabama, Alabama on their home field? Freddie, I'll tell you, man, uh, being on the field and watching that game and watching the energy from the players on the football field, the players on the bench, the fans in the stands. You talk about a guy, Vince Young, who's a staple in Austin, Texas. He was on the sideline from his energy to Matthew McConaughey on the sidelines, excited and throwing up the horns or whatnot and saying, hook him. It was unbelievable. But I viewed it as a confident group a group that understood that they belonged and it didn't matter that it was Alabama that they were playing. It didn't matter that they were in Alabama on their home turf. What mattered was they looked at the game a season ago and felt like they let one slip away. Right. And what they didn't want to do was let that happen two years in a row. You talk about Quinn Ewers, a guy who didn't finish that ball game a year ago, going 24 for 38, throwing for over 345 yards, three touchdowns. But here's the kicker. Did not turn the football over. Absolutely. Right? When you don't turn the football over, you have a chance. Now you look at the athletes and the recruiting that Alabama has versus Texas, and they feel like they have some of the same type of guys, but they haven't been able to win on a big stage like Alabama has the last 10 years. And when you look at uh, Xavier Worthy, uh, A.D. Mitchell, who transferred from the University of Georgia, a winning team at the wide receiver position, and also Sanders at the tight end position, those guys that I just mentioned, those three receivers in that tight end, was the difference in the ball game along with Quinn Ewers, because when you looked at Alabama and Jalen Milrow, and one of the things, before I touch on the negative, I got to say this about him. The man has the mindset that he doesn't think about the bad play that happened previously. Okay. He has that ability to move on to the next play. He has but, amnesia. Yes. His mistakes in that ball game cost Alabama. 
It really did. And it, it came to Texas defensively understanding that they were going to mix their coverages up and give him different looks and not blitz the house all the time because they believed in their front floor right. in which they were able to sack Jalen Miro five times and have nine tackles for loss versus Alabama's defense. They didn't get to the quarterback not one time. They had zero and they forced zero turnovers. Those were the differences in, in that football game that allowed Texas to go into Alabama and get that victory. But I'll say this, Steve Sarkeesian, he understood that he had to be aggressive in his play calling. And I touched on this on Countdown to College Game Day. When Texas had their opportunity and their shots, they had to hit them. And they hit them in that ball game, man. And that sideline, the confidence, though, the confidence that I've seen in those players' eyes when Xavier Worthy catches that touchdown pass and he comes to the sideline knowing he's that dog. When A.D. Mitchell catches a, a go-route on the sideline for a big play and then he catches that one over his shoulders, over his head, which is one of the hardest catches to make in football for a wide receiver. you got to track the football while your body's yes. adjusting one way, the ball's going another way, and your head's got to be all over the place. Yes. Then, Freddie, he called a slant for a touchdown, and he said, we here. Yeah. We hit, man, it was just a thing of beauty to see. And you want everyone on that football field from both sides to do good. You don't want no one to get hurt. But it was just a thing of beauty for Texas, a team that's searching for that I'm back type thing to get that big win. But I'll tell you this. Okay. It doesn't mean anything if you go out here and you lose to a Baylor, you lose to a Texas Tech, and you don't win the Big 12. You cannot win that ball game against Alabama. And not win the Big 12. You can't win that game against Alabama and not win the, make it to the college football playoffs. See, I have Texas in my Final Four. Okay. Because I felt like this is the year that they can finally win the Big 12 and make it and have that appearance and whatever happens from there happens. But I think now the pressure's on even more now for, for Texas. Oh, no doubt about that. Harry Douglas, Freddie Coleman together on Freddie and Harry and ESPN Radio. You mentioned about Steve Sarkeesian, the Texas head coach. He wants to make sure that Texas' best game was not this past Saturday night versus Alabama, even though they got the win. That one game isn't going to define our season last week. What we do moving forward, um, you know, I think championship teams continue to improve as the season goes on. And we've got goals and aspirations of, of being champions this year. We've got to continue to improve this week, and uh, that was the starting point here this morning. Something that was brought up by Samuel Pierce, one of our guys behind the scenes, where people catching up to Alabama and the SEC – and the reason is you got all these Saber Knights out there. Steve Sarkeesian learned under Nick Saban. Mm-hmm. Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss learned under Nick Saban. Jimbo Fisher, well, I don't know what's going on in Texas A&M. That's a whole different conversation. As far as that goes. <laughs> Kirby Smart, Kirby what he's Smart, been able yep. to do, going back to his alma mater and doing that at Georgia. There's still so much talent, and the transfer portal creating that kind of havoc. you got to be able in modern college football to deal with that. And plenty of Saber Knights out there know how to do that in 21st century football. And Saban is still trying to figure that out, Alabama, in 21st century football. NIL, Freddie. NIL. You, 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 take, a te- you take a school like Texas, right, With where no we know that's tax. one of the richest programs in college football mm-hmm. history. Right. And what they're, they're able to do in the NIL space and, you know, providing these kids for their services, no right? No doubt. No Just doubt. that alone. Yeah, that alone, but also that fear factor, because you know how kids are. We're parents. Kids don't fear things that they don't believe in. If they look at something and say, I don't believe you're that good, they'll go to other places to beat you behind. They're not looking at Alabama saying, yeah, we know you're the gold standard, but not the way you used to be. All these Sabanites out there have kind of been able to eat away at the armor when it comes to Alabama football. I got to tell you when I knew it was over, though, when I knew Texas was going to win the game. So I played Little League football with the short choice, the running back coach for Texas, right? 
and we used to beat our pads and stuff before we, you know, went out on the football field. He had his running back group huddled up, and he hit them with the contact, contact, right. and they and they followed up, boom, boom, ah. I said, oh, nice. Lord, it's going to be a long day for Bama. It was a long day for Alabama. It better not be a long year for Texas if they spit the bit like we've seen in previous years. There's happy hour, and then there's happy hour Herm Edwards. We know what's the better happy hour. That's next on Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio. You can also listen to Freddie and Harry live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch and listen on the ESPN app, the Freddie and Harry podcast.